the Daniel Ruiz Tyson podcast. Hey, how you doing? This is the Daniel Ruiz Tyson podcast with me, Daniel Ruiz Tyson, show 48, 16th of February 2012, coming to you from SW8. Love, loss, and lattes, lots of lattes, or a weekly study of a man failing, as one email sent to me this week put it. Uh, hope, uh, hope you're all well. Are you well? Have you been there uh, keeping warm? Last three days here in South London appear to have uh, been a little warmer. The start of the week, I think, was an absolute bull shrinker. Um, I think Monday. Actually, that might have been a noise there. What I want you to do is, if you hear me make one of those Brucey noises that I mentioned on last week's show, uh, drop me an email, tell me what minute, second of the show uh, you heard it on, and uh, I'll stick it up on next week's show. I am concerned that I've started making these uh, on-air noises now. But uh, Monday, I think it was, I was uh, under all my togs. You know, it's no mean feat getting under uh, so much weight. Uh, I can get underneath the bedding, but I can't cover my back, and it was so cold. I was awake most of the night thinking, how can I be under so much bedding, and how can I still be cold? At one point in mankind's development, surely that you know this, the bedding that I have in my room would have been more bedding than there would have been anywhere else in the world at that particular point, and I am still cold. Uh, blue and uh, black have gone on the four-coloured bick. Bad enough the blue's gone. You know, I always expect the blue to go. I use the blue uh, as my primary uh, colour. Uh, expect that to go, then I fall back on the black. But they've both gone at the same uh, same point uh, the last couple of days. Uh, so I need to get a new four-coloured big pen. Uh, on a brighter note, uh, briefly for a week, treated myself and restored beetroot to my salads. Uh, so I've been enjoying my uh, salads. But uh, yeah, glad it's, uh, glad it's a bit warmer. I mean, I anticipated the cold. When I took this flat, as uh, regular listeners will know, I, I, I did know it would be a cold flat. But, uh, you know, going into that bedroom last thing at night, waking up in there is an absolute shock to the system. Let me tell you, I can't do uh, another winter here. Back in the days, I'd often slack in the bedrooms of various flats watching TV or reading. But I haven't done that once in this flat. Not even in the summer. I found the summer cold. I think we had that week at the end of September, October, where it was uh, it was an absolute heat wave, wasn't it? Uh, but uh, yeah, just don't do anything in the bedroom. Don't do anything in the bedroom. Keep your minds clean, listeners. Um, significant week, significant number, 48, show 48. Uh, 48 was the door number of the house I lived in for 24 years, uh, just down the road from here. 24 times 2 equals 48, though I recognise that doesn't really work in terms of proving what a significant number 48 is in my life. Uh, the Spain team in Sabucho, they were number 48. There's a great book by Daniel Tatarski on uh, the history of Sabutio. I think it's called Flick to Kick. And um, it covers basically back in the uh, early days of Sabutio. Well, the, the glory the glory years back in the 70s. Um, you couldn't just buy Sabutio in any old toy shop. You'd have to go into your local sports shop. In my case, Frank Johnson's on uh, Ferndale Road in Brixton. 
so you'd go in there and you'd ask for the number, not the team. So Liverpool were 41, Spain were 48, I think Brazil were 50, Man U were 100. So uh, I think important teams were given significant numbers. And uh, Sabuto teams were originally only stocked in these places. Uh, so Spain were 48. Uh, since the credit crunch hit me back in 2008, I can stretch out a latte and do without fail for about 48 minutes. Uh, they do go cold after about 23 minutes. I'd say... I'd say 48 lattes is the amount of coffees that this new waiter, uh, another one, uh, that's what we call him because that's all he says as he hunts down every table like the Barcelona midfield removing latte glasses and cappuccino cups. Um, 48 is how many lattes I think he's taken of mine before I've even finished them uh, since he started here in the uh, cafe in April of last year. He's a nice guy. I'd like to talk to him if I wasn't there to just sort of work uh, but even if uh, even if I did talk to him I, I probably don't think I've got the social skills to advance it any further than it's already gone uh, I've got a minimum of 48 togs on the bed uh, 48 minutes was all it took for the four shelved bathroom caddy I bought from Argos back in September to collapse in my uh, subsiding bathroom uh, dad was 48 when he moved out of our bedsit to the bedsit below us at 48 Mayflower back in 91. Dad was also 48, actually, the last time he got changed in front of me and my mates. He had to move for that reason alone, I think. Uh, forget the marriage had failed, forget they divorced, forget the atmosphere was bad. All it was going to need was one of my mates to tell their parents about my dad's frequent nudity, and uh, I think Dad was going to get in some serious uh, trouble. So that's 48. A couple of news items to kick the show off with. Um... U.S. style sobriety uh, uh, bracelets uh, for problem drinkers uh, look set to be issued. Uh, drinkers, problem drinkers convicted of drink-related offences, and that's going to be tested this summer in London. Offenders who are problem drinkers and commit high-volume-related offences such as drunk and disorderly criminal damage and common assault will be given a conditional caution. I'm in favour of this. I, I think one of the ways I've not quite felt British even though I was born here is the whole drinking culture it's always jarred with me that, that it's a very British thing that that drinking to get pissed and fighting and shagging even when I did drink I felt that I think if you want to drink yourself stupid fine when it affects others that's when I take issue with it um, I just don't like that whole sort of culture we have here of celebrating getting drunk. You go to work on a Monday morning, uh, those of us who uh, still have jobs left, and uh, it's like, what did you do at the weekend? Oh, I got absolutely plastered. I got wasted. We, we celebrate that. It's absolutely bizarre. And the NHS can barely cope with the uh, uh, amount of problematic drinkers they're having to take in, particularly at the weekends. It's, it, it's, it is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. It's a very, very Northern European thing. Um, uh, Soho as well in the same week has also reopened its field hospital for problem drinkers so uh, uh, good good news and that things are being done about this uh, meantime uh, elsewhere in London uh, North London now Enfield Council North London for those of you who aren't from London that's the Ponty part of London uh, so Enfield Council uh, could find residents up to £80 for spitting in public after asking the government for permission to ban what it described as a truly disgusting habit. If this goes through and becomes law. It'd be the first such law in the country for 22 years. The legislation would cover joggers in parks and on streets, but not people playing sports on public fields. That would be very hard to administer, though I have to say, in all the years I played football, I never felt the need to spit 
Now, people can say, well, uh, yeah, you're not professional, you're not playing to a high level. Well, football is football, though. You're still running around. You're going to be less fit. It's still as difficult for you to get around a field as it is for a professional player to get around the pitch at his level. I never felt the need to spit, and I used to play in goal most, uh, most of the time. So uh, I was always aware that I could be diving not only into dog's mess, but into spit. It always discomforted me. Um, again, though, I, I definitely back this. I don't know how it would be enforced, though. Um, I'd love to see it come into play in Lambeth. It would create a whole load of jobs, too, I'm guessing, because uh, I, I I think you'd probably need around 3,000 spitting police officers to enforce it around here, given about 94% of the uh, population spit. Lattes, they're not just for women, you know. You're listening to the Daniel Ruiz Tyson podcast. You're listening to the Daniel Ruiz Tyson podcast. Ways to get in touch with the show. Email drt at westegg1607.co.uk. Got the blog 1607westegg.wordpress.com. Uh, I may not be tweeting at the moment, but there is a lot of new stuff on the blog. You've got the Facebook group as well that you can uh, that you can get in touch with. Uh, that Sting, by the way, that's uh, by Neil. I always keep... Uh, uh, meaning to to mention him, uh, Neil presents the Into Your Head podcast. You can go to the website intoyourheadpodcast.com. That's the way. That's the kind of podcast, sorry, website rather that I'd like to have. It's uh, uh, there is an absolute uh, professional, and uh, Neil's been a, a big supporter of the show uh, for a while now, and uh, really do uh, appreciate that. So check out Neil's uh, site and check out his show too. Uh, there was a. No segue, uh, going straight into my uh, story from the beginning of the week, two days ago actually, a crash in uh, my road. I live at a very dodgy uh, junction, um, and uh, there was a crash, a car had gone right into a railing, and uh, I don't know anything about driving, I have no interest in cars, but I knew enough, as I said on the blog, to, to know that it'd be very hard for someone to survive uh, to emerge alive, really, from that kind of crash. The car was an absolute mess. And uh, there was a big blue tent erected for the rest of the day. It, you know, three minute walk to get into, you know, to get to the cafe uh, turned into about a 10, 15 minute walk. I've got an estate across the road from me. And you think normally with estates, they're all, you know, got these maze like designs and every little uh, alleyway or whatever can lead you onto a main road. Every, every little turning on that estate led to a dead end. I had an absolute nightmare getting back onto the main road. Saw the air ambulance arrive, uh, knew straight away that no one, no one survived something like that. It's uh, when you see an air ambulance, that's always a bad sign. I didn't actually learn until today in the cafe, um, guy at another table talking who I always see around here, what had actually happened. Um, the driver had actually had a heart attack while he was on the road, continued having the heart attack as he crashed. Uh, and then basically, uh, as people rushed to attend him, was still having the heart attack, died in the car. You know, bloody awful, really. Um, reminded me of uh, a few years back. I was still a journalist, and I used to um, uh, end up at Victoria Coach Station a lot. I'd, I'd get my flights, and then uh, from the airport, it's usually Stansted. I'd get a coach to Victoria Station, and from there, I'd travel back to uh, to Windsor. It was a very sort of complicated journey. I'd be travelling for about 24 hours. I'd be absolutely knackered and there was this one occasion and it was just after the London bombings and uh, I came out of the coach station and police had surrounded this car that was parked off right outside the coach station so you know it was back in the days of uh, panic 
Um, and there was about 10 armed police around this one car. The guy in the car was not coming out. Someone opened the door. One of the police officers opened the door. And this, I mean, one of the fattest guys I've ever seen just fell out of the car dead. So I'm assuming it was a similar scenario there in that someone had basically died in their car. And they fell out. It was really, really sad. I remember calling uh, the girl I was with at the time. I was uh, you know, quite shocked by it. Basically, you know, uh, when it, when your time comes, it comes. It doesn't care where you are. And uh, yeah, not 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 good. It's not a not a very safe road. This uh, traffic wise, uh, like I say, I don't really I don't drive, so I can't give you specifics. Um, but uh, Mickey Mickey Boyd grew up around here, and uh, I'm sure he's seen plenty of stuff like that on this road. It's it's not a good road. When I Google. Uh, when I was googling for further information on this crash, you know, there was just a history of crashes on this road that came up. There's a there's a tissue on the stairs here in this building, and it's been there for a couple of weeks now. Um, on the uh, between the ground floor and the first floor, no one's picked it up, and I'm kind of wondering whether it's a test by the lettings agent. Someone planted it to see what kind of tenants they have, get an insight into us, you know, it's been there for a fortnight now, I'm not touching it, obviously every other tenant here has decided not to touch it either, it's just there waiting for the cleaners, and obviously uh, the, it looks like the landlord's struggling with money, we don't get the cleaner coming along as frequently as, as they came along when I first moved here, there's a light not working on the uh, front door, um, and this morning there was a, a drain and CCT van uh, making a, a load of noise outside, Weird double specialism, actually. I'm thinking at the outset that they sit down and have a big meeting and one partner said, you know, I don't think just uh, specialising in drains is enough. We need to have another We need to have another speciality. And they kind of ran through what else they could possibly double up in and came up with uh, CCTV. I, I, I don't know how you make that connection between drains and CCTVs. Um, but, you know, I saw them there and I'm uh, you're thinking, uh, I, I've seen spooks. You know, were they really uh, drain experts? Were they really drain experts? Who knows, eh? But uh, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, by the way. I'm sure they are, were what they were purporting to be. But uh, the tissue situation, um, I'm not picking that tissue up. I know that I could do it. I could pick it up with another tissue, but I want to see if anyone else will pick it up because it bothers me that it's there. I wonder if it's bothering any other tenant. So I was in the cafe earlier uh, this afternoon, and that's when I heard this uh, snippet of information about the uh, guy having a heart attack and then crashing into the barriers, the railings. I was putting the uh, run in order today, and uh, I was wearing this grey roller neck uh, sweater that my aunt got me that ages me by about 10 years. I look like John Thor in the Sweeney, which I've actually continued to watch uh, since last week and am enjoying. So thanks to Mickey for putting me onto that. He's been going on about it for a while, and uh, it still stands up. It is very good. Um, I'm thinking if I go back to the cafe this afternoon, later this afternoon, early this evening, after recording the show now, because it's about uh, 3.30 now, um, and, you know, the sweater's a bit uncomfortable, the roller neck sweater, it makes my neck itch a bit, I haven't shaved, it's, you know, catching on the roller neck, um, so I, I doubt that I'll wear the, uh, the roller neck, so if I go into the cafe wearing something else, will they notice and will the waiters think, this guy was last in a few hours ago. He's gotten changed. Why would he have gotten changed? What did he do in the three hours he was away that required him to change his top? Did he simply realise the uh, roller neck was shit? Was it causing his neck some discomfort? Or was he doing something in the house that made him sweat? I think that's what I'd be thinking. Meantime, I've hit upon this idea 
the suite of leave an empty tins of basics ranger tomato uh, soup on the windowsill to deter potential burglars the idea being they see the tins and think you know there's nothing to take there let's let's leave this poor guy alone credit crunch has hit him let's move on let's hit the next flat time now for uh, a nectar points update uh, firstly i've actually been given some useful vouchers for once by sainsbury someone there has actually finally taken note of what i buy and given me vouchers uh, vouchers for those uh, specific items. Uh, I, uh, vouchers for chili con carne um, medium uh, jars uh, and something else which uh, escapes me. I can't remember what else but uh, I think I'll be using both of those vouchers. Uh, Nectar points update. I'm thinking now why they gave me the other receipt. I've got the wrong receipt. God, so disorganized here. Uh, I think I'm around 300 and something now because uh, the other day I was uh, I think I was on around 297 basically the whole point of this feature and I don't have the uh, I don't have the information for it uh, bad form on uh, on my part uh, other night round the back streets here I saw the old man future me um, always here on his own uh, in the cafe for the last 18 months between 11 and 12 every morning got a duffel coat a better coat than me this year a coat actually that makes him look younger uh, makes him look like he might have once been in a band and every time I see him I think is that me 20 30 years time if I somehow make it to that age I never see him with anyone he always talks to anyone uh, that will give him the time of day and that's the difference between me and him as lonely as I am I don't actually talk to anyone but every time I do see this guy I think is that me is that the future it really it does worry me it does worry me because uh, I've seen him on the phone to people but I've never seen him with anyone and uh, he could probably say the same about me I wonder I wonder if anyone else can see this guy time now for uh, job specs um, job spec that disturbed me this week uh, can you focus in a high interrupt environment I didn't apply for this role on a point of principle. I'll never work uh, for a company that comes up with such a job spec. I think if I was working for that company and I was sitting next to who, uh, whoever came up with that job spec, if they came up with that job spec in my presence, I think I'd have to walk out. As bad as things are out there, as, as difficult as it would be to find another job, I'd have to leave. If I had any self-respect, I'd have to leave. I mean, unless you're in a David Milt show, no one speaks like that. Ridiculous. Shame on them. Another job spec which uh, bothered me, administrator in Chelsea. It's a company essentially thinking that working in Chelsea is a dog's bollocks. Doesn't really tell you too much about what your role is. The assumption being people will be desperate enough to want to work in Chelsea, which, yeah, it's, it's a lovely area. It's probably better than lovely. I like Chelsea. It's a really nice area. Um, but I'd rather work in Stockwell for a better salary. They seem to be hoping the Chelsea aspect of the role will override uh, any salary concerns uh, applicants will have. Uh, meantime, nothing from the interview I had last Friday. I suspect I was probably a bit too honest in the interview. It's got me thinking, actually, because when I was uh, clicking on Neil's site, he's actually got an advert for the uh, for the place uh, uh, that interviewed me last week. And, uh, yeah, I was probably too honest in the interview about my time away from 9 to 5, about the sabbatical, about the reasons behind it. Uh, the place was located on a hill. There's two hills around there. I arrived naturally at the wrong hill, despite having a map on me. So I put in a, a call to the arse man who knows the area. He got me back on the right hill with just minutes to spare. Uh, I ran up that second hill to get there to the interview on time. I'm running in shoes. 
you know, back in the day, we could all, all guys could run in shoes. You know, we'd all be in our school uniforms. We'd be in the playground playing football in our shoes, even in the rain. We didn't worry about having the right footwear. You get to being an adult, and you feel there's so little that you can do in shoes. So I ran there in shoes, and uh, it was a, it was a big hill. Turned up at the interview sweating. That's that's never a good look for an interview. Never a good look. Time now for this week's song overkill. How it works. Every week I ask which song have you been overplaying and why. Just fellas this week actually. Mine. I, I'm I'm staying with a new order. Uh, I have a very embarrassing song which I really have been overkilling this week. But unless we do an embarrassing song overkill, I don't think I'm going to put it out there because I think it would undermine any opinions I have in future about anyone's. Uh, song overkill entry so this week i'm staying with new order dream attack from the uh, technique album 1989 and i came upon that album uh around 93 94 uh q did a feature the best 100 albums or whatever of the 80s or the best 100 albums ever and technique was in there i went out and got it my favorite song on that album without a doubt is mr disco uh but this week i've been uh, overkilling dream attack found a decent live version which i posted on the blog what I know of the album, it ran into some trouble. There were long delays. It was, I think, recorded out in the West Indies. Uh, factory records at the time were also getting into real difficulty. And I think, as Barney Sumner later said in an interview, the problem with Factory was it wasn't equipped to handle two successful bands. And around 89, 90, the Happy Mondays were you know, fast emerging as uh, a cult band and uh, really making a name for themselves. Um, I, I, I love Dream Attack. The lyrics, uh, I'll see if I can Google the lyrics here. They're not, um, you know, they're not very deep. But just just the way in which they're arranged um, and, and, and the way Barney Summer sings them. And, and, and the lyrics only cover about the first two minutes of the song and, and about three minutes of it is an instrumental and it's absolutely brilliant. And the instrumental is incredible. Okay, let me just, I've got Dream Attack lyrics here. Um, right, I can't see the set, the sense in your leaving. All I need is your love to believe in. Very simple lyrics. I don't belong to no one, but I want to be with you. I can't be owned by no one. What am I supposed to do? I just love the way those lyrics scan. You know, very, very simple. I think that's the way kind of lyrics should be, really. Um, I'll come to why in a minute. Uh, Paul Gaffey, our friend in Japan, Hand in Glove by the Smiths. Not my favourite Smiths tune, but it's received some serious airtime over the last few days. I don't seem to tire of it at all, so perhaps it will be listed by me again. Pete. Pete's one is interesting this week. Uh, it's easy some weeks, Pete says. Tori Amos, New Order, Pretenders, never a problem, nothing to be ashamed about. But there are some bands and artists that sit uncomfortably. Jewels of shining glory set in a ring of ridicule. So with trepidation this week, my song Overkill involves Sting. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you The Bed's Too Big Without You by The Police. I know, I know, Sting's a toss, a tantric sex, a bloody loot album, etc. But for a few short years, his ego was contained within the glorious sound of The Police. Once they stop pretending to be punk far too old and musical for all that sort of stuff they were simply unstoppable brilliant musicians especially Stuart Copeland who I rate as one of the world's best drummers sadly their egos were too great and it split the band I saw the police twice on their pension top-up tour in 2007 the second time I just went to watch Copeland drum and they were magnificent I feel a kicking coming up for this choice but I feel I must confess see I think the police are a great band I fell for them i think i was about nine years old and it was either christmas eve or new year's eve i think it was christmas eve because i remember we were out on new year's eve unusually for for, for my family 
1981. It was Christmas Eve, Little and Large Show. Uh, they sang, what are those? Every, oh God, I can't remember what they sang now. Every little thing she does is magic. I can't remember. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to Google a track listing of theirs because for years I've remembered this information. But look, my point is, uh, and I think I mentioned it before on the show, I've always thought Stuart Copeland, uh, long thought rather, that Stuart Copeland is the best drummer in the world. I think Stephen Morris is a brilliant drummer, unique drummer. Uh, Stuart Copeland's just effortless. Effortless. Incredible, incredible drummer. And uh, the police... I. I struggled with a lot of their early stuff. I think you can divide them in their career into two. The first two or three years, Sting seemed to be singing this kind of white reggae voice, you know, the kind of walking on the moon stuff and all that, which I didn't really like. And then from about 81 onwards, 81 to 84, he changed his style slightly. And he became this incredible singer, uh, to my mind, this incredible singer, beautiful voice. And I loved his first solo album, uh, second solo album, I think it might have been, Ten Summoner's Tales, something like that. Uh, which came out in 93. I thought it was a brilliant, brilliant album. Okay, here we go. 81, track listing. Spirits in the Material World. Every, was it Every Little Thing She Does Is Magic? I think it might have been Every Little Thing She Does Is Magic. That was on the Little and Large Show, uh, 1981, and I remember that. And from then on, I was hooked on The Police. Uh, my favourite song of theirs, and I think I've mentioned it in one of the early uh, pod- podcasts. Excuse me. <clears throat> Let me just take a swig. Uh, what have we got here? Energy drink, 35p, full of sugar from the local shop. I think 86, the police came together to do a, a Greatest Hits album. And I've told this story before, they only lasted a day. They did a newer version of Don't Stand So Close To Me, which I think is far superior to the original version, which I never liked. And then Copeland and uh, Sting started having... Uh, more dust-ups and I think the whole project was abandoned so the only new song that appeared on this greatest hits compilation was Don't Stand So Close To Me but yeah I I, I think they were a brilliant brilliant band Uh, Nick uh, Dear Daniel this week for song Overkill I've been beaten to death and Manic Street Preachers cover of Umbrella I've not heard that I'm curious about that I thought the uh, original Umbrella if this is the Rihanna song was, was, was a bloody disaster I only had one problem with the Manics and this goes back to what I was saying sometimes about lyrics needing to be simple. I think bands that try to uh, tell stories within their songs, I think they often fall down because the lyrics don't scan properly. And I think the classic example of that is the Mannix with Kevin Carter. You know, that whole kind of trying to squeeze the line Kevin Carter into the chorus. Kevin Carter didn't work for me. It just didn't work. Uh, Click, 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 click yourself on now, all that stuff. Um, But Grace of God was an incredible track. Grace of uh, God, There By the Grace of God, whatever it was called, 2002, one of my favourite ever tracks. And uh, a band at the height of their powers, I think. I know they'd been knocking around for years before then with uh, the Richie guy who then disappeared in 95. But, uh, you know, my, my favourite Manic song was uh, Grace of God. Uh, Nick continues, I'm not sure any amount of rationalising will redeem me in the eyes of your listeners, but they take an admirable stab at turning this pop song into an overblown rock shouter. Maybe I'm just trying to validate listening to really trashy music. And relatedly, the last two proper Mannix albums were quite good, but they seem to have hobbled their career with a risky tactic of releasing three dull records in a row. Still enjoying the podcast despite your Twitter absence. Hope it's been productive, Nick. Um, it has been productive in that I think I have more time to attack the priorities, namely job hunting. I think creatively, uh, 
everything's just going down the pan. But uh, certainly on the job front, it's given me more time to do what I need to do. But uh, I think that just means right now more job rejections. Thanks, Nick, for his entry. I think we're, we're all really uh, curious. I'm certainly curious now about seeing what the Manics have done with Umbrella. It can't be any worse than the Rihanna version, surely. Keep your song overkills coming in. DRT at westegg1607.co.uk. Song overkill in the subject header. Now from the South London and Maudsley Hospital website, five steps to well-being in the well-being garden. Uh, these are five things that can... Ang uh, for fuck's sake. i tell you what, I think this is why I need a break from this show. From the South London and Maudsley Hospital website, five steps to well-being in the well-being garden. These are five things that can increase your sense of well-being. As you can see, it's not quite working with me. Um, why not find one or two that suit you and give it a try and discover your path to well-being? See, there's an example of me not reading things properly. I thought you had to be able to tick all five of these off. Apparently, you only need two. So uh, I just need to find one more. The first of these is Connect. Simply connect with the people around you, with family, friends, colleagues and neighbours, at home, work, school or in your local community. Think of these as the cornerstones of your life and invest time in developing them to support and enrich you. I'm utterly failing on this one. I agree with this one. I, I, I think it's one of the most important ones. I'm not sure about connecting with a local school, given the amount of knife crime uh, attributed to that place. Um, but uh, certainly being part of a community... Um, keeping in touch with friends not really doing that and uh, I think I'm as much to blame now I don't know what's happened uh, as I've said in recent shows that isolation, that's new that's a new thing with me that hasn't been there before that disinclination to pick up the phone or answer calls and you know the calls have basically stopped um, for example, uh, Nelly's uh, 40th uh, birthday bash, surprise birthday at the weekend. He was down in London. I haven't seen Nelly for 14 years. I really wanted to see him. Bizarre thing is that at Sixth Form College, um, he ended up becoming mates with a, a bunch of guys from my school that I never hung around with. I was probably a little jealous. Of course I was. I, I was 16 and I was watching my friendship disappear. You know, decent enough kids. Nothing wrong with his... Uh, these kids, I have no idea what kind of adults they turn into. I'm assuming they turn into decent adults. And, you know, they, 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 they became mates with Nelly through their music. Good music in, in, in a way that I've said on Song Overkill I was never into. My, my musical tastes as a young guy were appalling. So their friendships were forged on this common ground. And the thing is, with the exception of Mickey Boyd, I made no long-lasting close friendships at secondary school. All the mates... I kept from school were mates that I had from infants or junior school. Um, I mean, I've got friendships going back 30, 35 years. I'm very lucky like that, and I'm very proud of those friendships. That's a long, long history. That's a friendship that is longer than my parents were in my life for. You know, that, that, that's something I'm very proud of. Secondary for me was a wasted five years, dump of a comprehensive. I struggled there, didn't really make any lasting friendships there. And as much as I wanted to see Nelly, because it has been 14 years, you know, I want to see him. I don't want to have to wade through a school reunion. But that's the only way to see Nelly. It's, it's the only way I'm ever going to be able to see him, really. 
you know, he doesn't live in London when he comes to London. I, I'm assuming he's going to want to see everybody. So I'm never going to get that one-on-one time with him that I, I'd like for once. I don't want to have to do the school reunion thing. I don't want to have to try and speak to him in front of all these people who will know him better than I do as an adult. You know, my, my friendship with Neil ended basically at 18. Uh, you know, none of us are the same people we were at 18, though, admittedly. Uh, I acknowledge I did my best to drag that out till I was about 30. I've been fairly consistent in applying this this kind of rule. I didn't go to his wedding in 98. I think I only got invited to the reception. I thought, really, after all those years together and I'm only making the reception? You know, I was disappointed in that. Uh, you know, and I think I did tell him. Uh, not at the time, though. I think that's the mistake I made. And I think, you know, given that I've not gone to the wedding, given that I've not gone to the 40th birthday bash, what if he dies before me? Do I take this all the way and apply the same rules to that, to the funeral? I don't know what state his health is in. His heat and set up is, uh, it's likely to be better than mine. He's got family. It's likely I'll go before him. I mean, I read something last week that uh, one of the things that kills off pensioners is, is solitude. Well, I'm, I'm living that now. I'm, I'm, I'm going through the solitude thing now. So the odds are it could be me going first. But if he exits first, that's my point. What do I do? If I turn up, people might think, so he doesn't come to the wedding, doesn't come to the 40th, but he's at the funeral. What kind of guy is this? Would he just come to the miserable events? If his wife's listening to this, you know, she, she's obviously going to be thinking, oh my God, I hope this Spanish guy who I've only met once dies before my husband. I understand that. Neil's her husband. Her allegiance has to be with Nelly. I understand that. Totally get that. Uh, number two in the well-being garden, Be active. This is the one I've nailed down. I'm very good at this one. Go for a walk or a run, cycle, play a game, do some gardening, dance. Never been able to dance. Exercise makes you feel good. I exercise a lot. I walk a lot. I take two-hour walks. Discover a physical activity that you enjoy, one that suits your level of mobility and fitness. Love of walking I get from my dad. Never needed cards. I can get to anywhere. I walked like seven miles last year to do a five-minute comedy gig, which was probably taking it a bit too far. But uh, yeah, I, I love walking. That's why uh, the foot injury was such a big deal for me. Three, uh, take notice. Be curious. Catch sight of something beautiful today. Notice the change in season. Savor the moment, whether you are walking, eating lunch, or talking to friends. Awareness of the world around you, what you are feeling, and your experiences will help you appreciate what matters to you. I think, given... The way my mind works, this would probably be the hardest for me to to get my head round. I don't think I'm very good at savouring the moment. There's probably a handful of occasions in my life where I've been aware of something momentous happening and, you know, living in that moment. I'm not very good at that. Everything for me seems to be retrospective, really. So uh, that that's one for me to really, really work on. I suspect that would be the hardest Four, keep learning. Try something new. Rediscover an old interest. Sign up for that course. Take on a different responsibility at work. I'm not sure about that one. Uh, learn to play an instrument or how to cook your favorite food. Learning new things is fun and will make you more confident. I had plans for the year. I still have those plans, but they took a hit. Not so much a hit as a flick to the balls, really. Uh, very early on in January when the course tutor dropped out two days before my evening course started, I knew that I needed something to get me out of the house. It couldn't be stand-up. I couldn't, because that that's pressure. That's And I wasn't ready for that pressure straight into a new year. And I didn't want to go on a course, really, just, just to learn, actually. It was about getting out that house, this house, rather, the flat. 
um, doing something different, you know, and I felt an evening course would be good for me. Um, I think the course hopefully will have a new tutor in April, so uh, hopefully I'll be able to do it then. Uh, five, the last, the last one, uh, give. Do something nice for a friend or even a stranger. Take time to thank someone, smile, volunteer your time. Uh, I do volunteer, not where I wanted to be volunteering, I do volunteer. It's alright. Uh, be nice to a stranger, I failed on that the other night, there was a, a dwarf, local dwarf who, uh, I'm not joking, a dwarf. Any stream of urine from Stockwell to Vauxhall Park, he's behind it, he just drinks. I can understand why he drinks, life has been cruel on him. He pisses everywhere basically, and I came out of the cafe and he fell, and I thought, you know, I'm not picking him up, he's gonna, he's, he, he, he smells, he drinks, he's always, you know, just urinating everywhere, even on the top of my street, and so you just kind of lose sympathy really after a while. Walked past, he fell another two or three times, he was absolutely off his head. I could have handled that better, I don't know, I don't know. Also, I'm a, I'm a low-key guy, picking up a dwarf in the middle of the road, helping him stand up, that's going to attract attention. I'm uneasy with attention. Uh, join a community group. Look out as well as in. Seeing yourself and your happiness linked to the wider community can be incredibly rewarding and creates connections with the people around you. If you want to pay a visit to the Wellbeing Garden, go to uh, the South London and Maudsley Hospital website, uh, slam.nhs.uk. Sunday is the uh, 12th anniversary of uh, my mum's uh, passing. Uh, she passed away a few months before I got my second nose. The uh, two events are unconnected. Sunday, uh, Sunday she would have been uh, 70, passed away uh, the day before her birthday. 70 still relatively young, my aunt's 70. Uh, my aunt's been 70 though for about three years now. I, I've mentioned on the show uh, her recent date of uh, birth issues that have left us all confused about her real age and uh, her arguing with my uncle as to who the eldest out of them is now. I think my uncle always liked the idea he'd pulled an older woman. My aunt's taken that away from him. Now she's passing herself off as younger than him. I don't think he's happy with that. But he really should look at it now as he's an older man knocking around with a younger woman. I think that's every man's dream, really. But, uh, you know, through the show, through talking about losses, bereavements, uh, other listeners have been kind enough to share their own experiences in emails or... Uh, posting on the blog I felt I felt it a lot last year uh, for the first time in some years I, I felt uh, the anniversary you know anniversaries I tend not to pay too much attention to them in, in terms of their impact I'm always aware of the days and their significance but I try to treat it as just another day and then usually for me uh, given how weak-minded I can often be that approach does work but I think last year because I really was at the bottom of this rebuilding process I really did feel it since then you know I'm, I know that I'm getting stronger within myself and uh, I think uh, you know you obviously think about the, that person you think about who you were on that day all those years ago when whatever happened happened but you know it's uh, it's at the back of your mind you you, you, you deal with it in a fairly straightforward fashion. I think the mistake that I made right from the beginning for many years uh, 
was that thinking that when the worst happened, and, and losing my mum was the worst, that really was as bad as it got, you think that life can't test you anymore, but you realise very late, in uh, in my case, that life keeps testing you. You have to be ready to, to, to respond to each of those tests. So I got complacent, arrogant in a way in that, not that I wore it like a badge, well, I don't know, maybe I did, maybe I did internally, um, in that I thought nothing could hurt me again, but that was very wrong. And now I'm two months away from 40, which is, uh, you know, causing me huge emotional trauma, really. I'm going around like I'm the first guy to ever hit 40. Incidentally, I would actually love to meet the first ever man to turn 40 and see how they dealt with it. If I could go back in time, I'd just love that. You know, I'd just love to sit with him and see how he was dealing with it. Uh, I'm assuming that he'd have been a very, very hairy man. I'd probably feel comfortable taking my top off with him to discuss it with him. We'd be there to, to, you know, her suit men, as men should be, as most of the James Bonds have been. Two hairy-chested guys sitting there together, talking about turning 40. Yeah, maybe wearing some animal skins. Who knows? But 40, uh, yeah, 40 and this credit crunch, I think, have been my, my biggest opponents ever. Dreams, ambitions, going up in smoke, strangling the life out of all the creativity I have. You know, I'm writing, and I'm writing well, the little that I'm writing. But to scale back Twitter, the show, after it hits a year, show 52, goes on the back burner as I take a, uh, you know, a lengthy podcast break. I really have to. I mean, this is a, this is a huge battle. I'm throwing everything at this thing. You know, and, and, and scaling back all that creativity saddens me, but this is about priorities. This show is not advancing my career. It, it's forced me to take a hard look at so many aspects of my life that were failing. It's kept me going after the uh, hospital ended. I know that the hard work has to pay off. I just need one opening. That's what I'm telling myself. One opening and suddenly there's something different in my life. Right now, it's the same shit, same day. No day feels different. This just feels like a perpetual loop. I'm not sleeping. You know, it's 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 the same thing every day. And uh, it, it all started with that, that day 12 years ago. I'm a very different person now. Um, obviously, I don't think you can look back and regret things. Of course, I wish that I'd handled things much better from very early on. But that's who I was. This is who I am now. I have to keep going. I had some emails from listeners uh, during the week. A couple of emails. Uh, and they they were interesting emails. Uh, first one asked, what if in spite of everything I was doing, all the good stuff that I was doing, my brain simply couldn't produce enough uh, serotonin. And no matter what I did, I couldn't change. And I suppose that there's not much I could do. There's not much I could do, really. Um, I'm proud of what I've done. The podcast, the stand-up, the scripts last summer that no one wanted. There was originally interest in the first script. Uh, disappointed that second meeting never happened. And I didn't chase them up. I just thought, if they don't want it, I'm, I'm not doing this. I don't play that media game anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm too old for it. They don't want it, fine, I start again. I'm proud of my mental strength. I'm proud of my honesty and being open about my illness. Even though I know it's going to hamper my job hunting, and is. And is. Employers can just Google you and there it is. I've not touched a, a drop of alcohol in almost 14 months. No pills. I, I don't want to cheat. 
docs dish out pills like sweets these days. I think it's lazy on the on a GP's part. It doesn't really address the problem. What are you going to do? Spend the rest of your life strung out on pills? I mean, last summer I almost buckled. I hit a really low spell. Mentally, I'd given up. I went to the doc. Friend said, look, he's not going to give you pills. I said, you want to bet? I got the pills. I got them very easily. He didn't hesitate. They're in the house. I got them from the uh, pharmacist. I never took a single one. I never took them because I remember what they did to me all them years ago. And I think being a writer, it's a risk. Uh, they stopped me writing. I don't want to jeopardise the little that I'm doing now. And more importantly, like the arse man said to me, because I did almost buckle. And I told him I was going to take them. And uh, he said, look, you're, you're here now. You're in the midst of this battle. Don't give up. See it through. You know, suffer. Do what you need to do. Don't take the pills. You know, sit sit this one through. For the first time in my life, I'm trading blows with this thing. I threw the towel in. I accepted the resounding defeats of, you know, a three-year period, 2008 to uh, 2010, the breakup of the relationship, the breakdowns, the bereavements. I learned from those. And I'm trying to change as me. What if I take the pills and I change? What am I changing into? I know uh, the guy who had a reckless time 10 years ago and, and a good time at that. I know that that wasn't me. I went on those pills for nine months and they changed me. After about a month, I started changing. I was having such a good time. I didn't care that I was changing. But the mistakes I made during that period set me back years. Uh, they sent me back years. They got me into a pattern of behavior that took me years to come back from. And maybe that's down to those specific pills or that's down to my personality that maybe when, when, when someone like me feels good, they go too far. It took me years to come back from that. But uh, that email from, from, from that listener made me think, what would I do if nothing changes? Obviously, I'd need to look at it. But I, right now, I'm thinking that it's going to be one opening that, that can change this. I need one good thing to happen. And then I like to think that I can I can turn this around. I, I really do. thing is, I didn't know what was happening after I lost my mum. The energy dropped, the lack of sleep, uh, the pain, the not being able to work. I'd go into work. I couldn't do a full day. It took me months before I could do a full day's work after my mum passed away. At the funeral, I remember, at her funeral, I called my boss from my aunt's house. I said I needed to go back on the Monday. Monday came, I couldn't go in. It was another month before I returned to work. There was, well, everything. I didn't understand everything about what was going on. Anything, rather. Um, I spent the first two years, when not getting sacked, uh, awake all night, sleeping during the day solo on energy i started eating chocolate for the first time in years a couple of bites to scar the, uh, the chocolate bar that was enough to to get me going again um stepped up the uh, coffee intake got tested for diabetes during that uh period now when i feel like that you know i can't sleep i still can't sleep getting up is so damn hard when you're still finding yourself awake at 4 30 a.m reading emails from uh my new friend in Japan, Shogun Gaffey. You know, I recognize the signs. I understand what's happening. And I can act accordingly. I show this thing respect. I know that I can't let it defeat me. You know, I can't even begin to consider bringing someone new into my life while, you know, I've got an opponent this strong controlling who I am. I lie alone at night, uh, head on the pillow, hat on. 
the hat on. That doesn't make sleeping any easier. And my head's processing all my thoughts. You know, like a computer. Sometimes mulling over the mistakes, the guilt. And I, I think the guilt's what made me mentally so hard. I didn't cry this breakdown out. Uh, I don't know. I think that's because I was fighting the guilt, the guilt from everything from from that from that day 12 years ago onwards the anger with myself that was a battle i think you can be angry if it's constructive you've got to make sure it doesn't take you away with it and i think at times i let my anger take me away i let it inform the decisions i took i couldn't believe so many of the mistakes i made and and that made me angry with myself and last week when i did this interview and the journalist asked when did you realize you weren't well and i thought blimey uh, I'm doing interviews like this, and it's a it's a valid question. When did you realise you weren't well? Because I wasn't well, and you know, employers. That interview goes out. Employers, potential employers, will see that. I'm not Stan Collymore. I don't have his salary. I can't be doing pieces like this. Like you know, talking about something which I feel passionately about. Uh, you know, so passionately that it, it got me off my ass fundraising for the first time in my life. But, you know, I'm on the job market. Um, I'm at a completely different level to the likes of Stan Collymore. There is a stigma. I'm not ashamed of what happened to me, but I know that I have to live in the real world. And in the real world, this is going to affect the job hunting as much as a bad reference. And the second email I got during the week uh, on this subject uh, came from a listener in LA um, change will come Daniel and things will fall back into place but you need to be patient even though you may feel that you may not have any patience left you also need time I know your mind is telling you that you don't have time because you're getting older older and wearing Rolonex by the way um, but you do have time and you will change your life be positive no matter what rebuilding from nowhere is really hard at times we are the enemy and that stops us from moving forward Thanks for those emails. Uh, much food for thought. Uh, you know, the fight goes on. Just looking for that opening. Looking for that opening. Some uh, TV shows to recommend. Um, I watched the first three episodes of David Milch's uh, new show set in the world of horse racing, uh, Luck. Like Friday Night Lights, uh, horse racing is not a world I, I particularly like. Friday Night Lights, I got a better understanding of American football. I don't mind it now, but going into it, I wasn't particularly enamoured with it. But Luck is a, it's a, it's a very, very good show on on the basis of of those opening three episodes. Stars Dustin Hoffman, Nick Nolte, and the brilliant Dennis Farina. I've never been a, never been a big Hoffman fan, but he's very good in this. I think it's his first TV work for over twenty five years. It has the potential to be a, a brilliant show, a real big hitter in the world of TV. I think it may well be the biggest show since Mad Men. Um, Friday Night Lights, by the way, currently being repeated from scratch on uh, Sky Atlantic. Uh, great piece in The Guardian on, on the show this week. Uh, beautiful show, thoroughly recommend it. Talked about it on the blog. Uh, posted uh, the Guardian piece on there as well. There are other shows around right now, like Sons of Anarchy, Justified, that I, I really like. But I don't kid myself that they're up there with The Sopranos, Deadwood, uh, NYPD Blue, though, though those great shows of the last sort of 15, 20 years. But they are good shows, and they're at you know, 9 out of 10 times they're better than what we're doing here. 
Breaking Bad, I've not really given that a chance. Not got past a pilot. I have problems with the show title, uh, but I, I think uh, I've only ever heard good things about it. Told it's a bit of a slow burner. So I, I need to give that show a chance. But uh, David Milch for me, going back to luck, best TV writer for me. Um, NYPD Blue and Deadwood, the first series of both of those shows are incredible. I saw a Dennis Franz interview uh, the other night uh, in which he... Uh, talked about David Milch and David Milch his 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 way of doing things is uh, notorious I mean he's already effectively been escorted off set on luck Michael Mann directs and uh, he wasn't having any of that uh, you know show uh, creator and writer hangs around on set uh, television and film are littered with stories of uh, creators being escorted off sets can't handle the di- you know the director running things and so Milch basically was effectively banned from set which was unusual for him because he does call all the shots the directors will uh film the show in the way that he wants it to be filmed and uh franz confirmed this in his interview and uh, milch would often come in i mean he had his uh, demons drug alcohol he'd come in on the set of nypd blue and literally sit down on the floor writing something out and uh figuring out the scenes as he went through uh and he'd ask you know actors if so and so was on set if so you know a call would go out for that actor to come along you know he really had no idea before going in that morning as to what was going to be happening and uh the first six or seven seasons of uh sorry series series guilty of seasons there uh were um effectively made like that and uh stephen bochko was uh apparently very enthused once milch left after series seven and he could now get back to doing the show the way he wanted to do in it uh milch's way of uh, putting shows together was also the reason why smiths quit nypd blue at the start of series six he couldn't handle it uh, dennis franz also confirmed the brilliant david caruso story of when he filmed his final scene at the uh end of episode four uh, series two of nypd blue uh, uh caruso's character just leaves the uh, police station and apparently offset uh, Caruso filmed that scene, carried on walking around the back of various stage doors, picked up his stuff from his trailer and went, and they never saw him again. Now that's an exit. I'm proud of my exits whenever I've been kicked out or the, or, or the occasions that I've quit, but that is brilliant. That's the best exit I've ever heard of. Um, the opening credits to Luck, I think it's a massive attack uh, track. Very, very good. Again, I've, put, I've stuck that up on the uh, blog, 1607westegg.wordpress.com. Um, what else? I, I've also got the first uh, series of Homeland uh, with a brilliant Claire Danes from My So-Called Life, arguably the best high school series ever. Uh, it's got Damien Lewis in it as well. Lewis plays a, a soldier held by uh, Al-Qaeda for eight years, um, freed. It's not yet apparent how he's been freed or whether he's escaped. His American accent's quite convincing. Also includes another uh, English actor, the brilliant David Harewood. Um I love this guy. I lo- I've loved him since the mid-90s from uh, Hearts and Minds, which is uh, the, actually the only Jimmy McGovern show I ever liked, apart from his, uh, you know, Brookside in the 80s when, when Brookside was at its best. I thought Cracker was awful. It was the Sherlock of its time, completely overhyped. Uh, and I love David Harewood in The Vice as well, but Harewood's American accent, it has to be said, is awful. I don't know why american shows are so big now on bringing english actors in i don't know if it's the kudos they feel that an english actor brings to a show uh Harewood's american accent is probably as bad as barry foster's in the uh, first sweeney film anyway the show opens uh danes is a cia agent with an addiction to prescription drugs for a mood disorder 
there's a guy about to get executed in some uh, Iraqi prison. She goes to see him, offers a deal to save his family if he can give us some uh, intel. He whispers something in her ear. We don't hear it. Now, when Lewis is found and comes back to a hero's welcome, the, the vice president greets him and so on. Uh, Danes reveals to her boss that the intel she was given was that an American prisoner of war had been turned by, uh, I think, Abu Nazir, uh, an Al-Qaeda cell leader. And uh, you see Damien Lewis when he's discovered living down some hole. He's got this massive beard, massive hair. Unusually convincing uh, hair pieces for a film, actually. I mean, uh, film, TV, they seem to have made CGI a priority. I always think hair pieces should be a priority in film because they don't work and the whole thing of having an actor playing his older self as well doesn't work simply because it's a glaring deficiency in film and television the, the sort of wig department the, 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 and, and, and beards they are it doesn't work there's something about it that doesn't work and yet Damien Lewis's one it, it isn't too bad it's not a bad look uh, not unconvincing that is to say uh, at some point in the in the pilot episode, he's in the barber shop. He's about to get this, you know, all this hair cut off and the beard cut off. And I'm thinking, you know, if I was the barber, you know, I'm working at an American army base, you know, and I'm told this guy's coming in. He's been a, uh, you know, missing for eight years. He's looking dishevelled. Before I shave all that off, before I put my, uh, you know, hair trimmer in there, I'd make some discreet inquiries as to whether this guy's been checked for hair lice. In fact, I'm assuming that uh, doctors would have cleared him of that and uh, you know maybe let me know that it was all clear perhaps shampooed him for a few days you know you're going to feel awkward about asking this question the guy's on tv everywhere he's you know he's been missing for eight years you're going to think what are they going to think of me if i inquire about hair lice but i think it's a natural inquiry i think it uh, should be understood your that you are concerned it's not something that you'd have to ask anyway we, we then see there's a woman she's getting uh you know blade by some guy straight away i knew that was a uh, damien lewis's wife in the show the phone rings she picks it up she, you know she learns her husband missing in action has been found she's just had an orgasm with this other guy who we don't know who he is yet she's understandably confused at that very moment and i'm thinking if your partner's missing how long would it be before you reactivated your sex life obviously easier without kids in this show she's got kids young kids She's not going to be able to keep the uh, number of men visiting the house uh, during the eight years Damien uh, Lewis was uh, missing. She's not going to be able to keep that quiet from her husband. First question that I would ask in Damien Lewis's shoes is, after eight years, how many men did you sleep with? You weren't getting anything. How many men did you sleep with? How soon after I went missing did you start having sex? Did you continue to look after me? Uh, sorry, did you continue to look for me after making that decision to have sex? And if you did, how actively... Did you pursue that? How could you be focused on looking for me if you were getting nailed by some other guys? If you're the woman, how soon do you own up to it? I, I suppose you you could keep it quiet if there aren't any kids, but eight years, eight years without a man, who's going to believe that? It is worth a watch, though. Uh, Danes gets the uh, man's house wide up. She sits in her house all day, watching him in every room, his nightmares, the, the brutal sex he's having with his wife. Uh... We learn all is not as it seems in a series of flashbacks from Lewis's time as a hostage. And the suspicion is that he has converted to Islam. It's, it's an interesting show. You wonder how long they can keep it going. But for now, I'm enjoying it. Um, domestically, BBC Inside Men, uh, decent show. Decent show. Stephen McIntosh, I've always felt, is one of our best actors. Um, it's not a show that's pulling up any trees, but some decent performances in there, particularly Macintosh's. And I think uh, the uh, third episode is tonight, and I'll probably be uh, catching it on the iPlayer.
All right, coming up to the uh, hour mark, uh, time to wrap this show up. Uh, but before I go, uh, emails, um, our man in Japan, Shogun Paul Gaffey. I mean, this man owns Japan right now. There's, there's little doubt about it in my mind. Uh, Paul emailed in, uh, Daniel, great session once again. Some fantastic moments. After your further dissection of the noise at the end of last week's show, I think it's fair to say my suggestion was nonsense. It clearly needs a name. Uh, perhaps you could say you foresight or did the Brucey warble or something similar. I don't know. All I do know is that I almost wet myself at my desk when I heard it replayed. I think I might have referred to the noise earlier in the show. This is the uh, noise I made from show 45 around 53 minutes 40, something like that, picked up by the uh, super observant John see uh regarding the horse meat paul continues it is served remember he was talking last week about what uh world foods he he's eaten and uh says regarding the horse meat uh, it is served in raw slivers or on sushi rice it tastes a bit like beef carpaccio except beef carpaccio tastes nicer there are a lot of what i would call pointless foods in japan that seem to be eaten for eating sake alone i've tried many such dishes but rarely revisited them in terms of the cameroonians cooking this is uh paul's cameroonian I think ex-stripper girlfriend, I think. Uh, this view could also be applied. Last Sunday, she made me a, a gelatinous, uh, I'm not sure if I've said that right, a cow feet with sour greens. It was an experience. For the time being, her robust physique is cancelling out any culinary pause I might have. I bet it is. I bet it is, Paul. Uh, only time will tell if this counteraction continues. You are right that Asian as a descriptive term for <laughs> mongoloids, that word kills me is an Americanism. Oriental seems like an antiquated colonial term, but I'm happy to use either. I guess that American culture has a much stronger presence here than British. Something to bear in mind, Daniel. Flamenco's second home is Japan. There are more flamenco schools in Japan than any other country bar Spain. I'm not saying you're a dancer, but as a Spaniard with all his hair, you could be making motorways, not in roads with Japanese women. Why are there flamenco schools in Japan? So many of them. I, 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 I'd like to know why. I'd like to know why. Uh, I must say, says Paul, that I'm still concerned that the image I have projected may be misaligned with reality. I'd say if we were doing this show in the mid-90s when lads culture was strong, uh, these emails from Paul would be an absolute sensation. Um, the success I have in Japan must be luck, says Paul. Back home, I was terribly shy with the opposite sex, spending many a weekend at home watching television and eating custard cremes. Uh, with the cus curtains drawn. I miss the UK terribly, but worry I might revert to that mindset quickly should I return. I, I think uh, those skills, that confidence Paul must have uh, amassed out there in Japan would count for something if he came back. He'd be coming back a different guy. He'd be coming back a different guy. I think the ladies would feel that confidence. It's about how you project yourself, Paul. Um... On another note, uh, if you suddenly disappeared and needed someone to find out if you were okay, I would have to be honest and say I'd email you or call if I knew your number before booking a flight. That goes for anyone in my life, not just you. It's just the sensible thing to do. I was asking last week, how long would it be before uh, listeners found out if something had happened to me? Just asking out of curiosity. Oh, and I forgot. Uh, yes, the Japanese consider it abhorrent to wear shoes in the home. In all Japanese houses, people change footwear from outdoor shoes to slippers upon entering. That is the way it should be everywhere. That, that's how it should be everywhere. That, that should be normal. Also, as a pedestrian, walk in certain inner city streets with regularity. There are no dog stores that need to be memorised for future avoidance. The only thing you have to worry about are the almost daily tremors, which, since March the 11th, 2011, have increased considerably. Your friend in Japan, Paul Gaffey. I love his emails. Uh, I, I love the fact we're getting emails from the other side of the world. 
from a man making some serious incursions with the ladies uh, whose sister listens to the show and he doesn't care. He doesn't care that she's learning all about his exploits. I wonder if this is how he's kind of breaking it to her, what he's doing out there in Japan. I wonder if he actually talks about what he's doing with his sister. He just lets her find out through the show. Uh, email also from the chaps at Bark Pamphlet. Hello, Daniel. Enjoying the show. Have you ever added up the amount you spend on lattes each week? Just interested to know if you've ever considered a latte abstinence, investing the money saved in a robust mid-range oil heater. I think I'm just under a fiver a day on coffee. Just under a fiver a day. It's about do the weekends as well. 25. My maths isn't very good. Uh probably around 31 32 quid a week uh you seem to have the necessary willpower for such an experiment if your twitter uh, twitter break is anything to go by most would have cracked after a few days suppose it all comes down to whether the pleasure of the regular lattes beats the misery of the cold bedroom a conundrum and no mistake nicely your pals at bark pamphlet you can visit their site at uh, barkpamphlet.com. Uh, 16 pages, not yet recycled, but certainly earthy, according to the blurb. Folded, stapled, and winks you in an envelope. Licked and sealed by our sensitive editorial assistant, Darren Pubes. I don't know if that's a real name. Uh, I think uh, uh, they say in brackets uh, he's chiefly an admin assistant. Uh, Bark is published irregularly. I messed that word up. I'm going to leave it in. Uh, a punchy pamphlet with which to beat back the twits um they were kind enough uh, the guys at bark to send me a uh, few issues i think just before christmas and uh, i enjoyed it uh, tremendously you can also follow them on twitter before daniel's done with his 52 week shift of the daniel reese tyson podcast let's see if we can't move him back up into the top 25 on itunes in order to do this you need to go to itunes and write a customer review it's free that's uh, me done for this week. Please support the show by rating and reviewing it on iTunes, as Annie there said, if you have an account with them. Uh, thanks to those of you who already have. You can also listen to the show on Jellycast, Stitcher Radio, and Mixcloud, as always. You've got the Facebook group. Uh, you can ask to join that, and I'll add you in, uh, the Daniel Ruiz Tyson podcast. Uh, email the show, drt at westegg1607.co.uk. Uh, next week's show, get your song Overkills in. Uh, details of how to order shows 1 to 45 are on the blog, 1607westegg.wordpress.com. Uh, remember, four more shows left after this. Be free. I don't mean by that uh, that you should start sleeping around. Just keep your mind free, you know. Don't get too many hooks in you. Don't get laden down with shit. We're on this planet just once. That's it. Good job, too, uh, given the cost of renting in this uh, current life god only knows how much uh, rents will have escalated if we do come back and uh, go through this all again though i'd be interested in coming back if only to see if storage heating had finally been abandoned um, i'd be curious about that thanks for listening keeps me coming back i'm daniel Riz tyson next week people next week <laughs>